Tuesday night on the fan pregame, Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fam are pregaming tonight's Islanders, Penguins, and Preds Golden Knights game on the network. A doubleheader tonight. Sean Gentili of The Athletics is going to join us in a few minutes. We're going to talk that Yager weekend that was, the flow, the chirps, the speeches, and how, I guess more importantly for the Penguins fans now, uh, Kyle Dubas and that organization will work on turning this ship around. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays held their first full squad workout today at spring training. We know Vlad's in great shape. We've seen it. <laughs> Maybe the best shape of his life, dare I say. Uh, also harboring no ill will after being taken to arbitration. Mm. So it's important learnings today. But more important than that, Blair and Barker return on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and we'll have Kevin Barker on in a half hour. If the Blue Jays are relying on internal pr- improvement to be better this year, I wonder what Blair and Barker are relying on. It was great to hear their voices. It really was. I don't think they need anything, to be honest, but we'll ask the question. They hit a home run every episode. Yes, uh, every day now at 11 a.m. until the the season switch a bit. Uh, Gary Bettman put out an 11-page ruling on the Morgan Riley suspension, upholding the five-game punishment for his cross-check on Ridley Gregg. We have some of the best quotes from it, and there's an undertone of sass, if I'm reading it properly, but we'll get to Gare Bear's comments a little later in the show. At minimum, some real solid lawyer speak. Of course, we'll have yes. best bets. We'll do Stanley Cup odds. We'll talk about Anthony Rendon, <laughs> who hates his job maybe more than <laughs> anyone, but gets paid a lot of money to do his job. Okay, so uh, before we talk to, to Kevin Barker in about half an hour, let's get a little talk here about Vladdy, because as you mentioned, first full team workout. Today's a big one, of course. Seeing all the guys on social media rolling in. Everyone's in the best shape of their life. Everybody's excited for what's going to be hopefully a lengthy season for the Toronto Blue Jays. Feeling good, looking good. Vladdy, obviously the one of center of attention around spring training narratives, bounce back candidate among a couple others. But the biggest off-season storyline just occurred only a couple weeks ago when Vladdy did go to arbitration with the Toronto Blue Jays and went into the room and they bargained over $1.9 million or something even less significant in the grand scheme of things, says today that there's no hard feelings. And, I mean, that's what you want to hear. Obviously, I don't think that Vladdy was going to say something like, yeah, I'm pissed, or, yeah, the experience sucked. But this is going to be really interesting to follow throughout spring training is, and the rest of the season is is how Vladdy responds, not to arbitration, not to being in that room and hearing all the reasons that the Blue Jays don't want to pay him an extra $2 million, but how he responds to a season that was disappointing, a season where he was an MVP caliber only uh, eight months before that and was a much different player. Um, talked a little bit about health, talked a little bit about feeling better, but the no hard feelings is... The title of a lot of people's articles today, and we're hoping that that's really the case. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, for me, and to quote Seth from Superbad, people don't forget. Uh, and as much as there's no hard feelings right now, when it comes a time, right, when it, the, the balance of power may shift, do you think people will forget? Do you think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will forget? Mm-hmm. I think it is an interesting, and baseball is different, but the superstar treatment in this city is one that is, I guess, puts Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on somewhat of an island because with the Leafs, Austin Matthews, mm-hmm. Mitch Marner, William Nylander, pretty much been given whatever they want. Uh, Scotty Barnes given the keys before he maybe owns a driver's license to that franchise. <laughs> Bo Bichette maybe was looking at something similar, but the Blue Jays are like, no, we don't want to do this with Bo. Let's just sign mm-hmm. the three-year deal, soak up arbitration, not do this. But with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's one of the most important athletes in the city, 
hey, we'll haggle over a million dollars. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We'll tell him how much we think his play lacked in 2023. We'll, we'll let you know what your limitations are. And we have no problem uh, doing that mm-hmm. in, in a court or, and having a third party uh, decide uh, who's, what sort of contract you're going to get. Uh, I do find it interesting that they looked at the negotiations with a superstar, the Blue Jays and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., a little bit different than the rest. And I understand it's different. Baseball's different in this for a lot of reasons. Um, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr., haggling over $2 million, did you have to do it? I don't really know. I don't really know if it's going to have any repercussions, but I imagine when Vladdy has a little bit more power, I don't know if he's going to forget what they said in arbitration. I wonder how much of the, I, I know the amount of money is is not super significant. There were la, there were other players that went to arbitration for less money. Um, so 1.9 was it just, I'm pretty sure that's the, the final amount there that they were a part I wonder, I mean, the recency bias of that last season, that probably is the determining factor to be like, we're going to go to arbitration because, yeah, we're not going to let this trickle effect even happen. Or like if the if the if if you're starting to slide down a mountain, does this conversation, does this head-to-head in arbitration change something? Does it spark something? And maybe that's what the Blue Jays are hoping because you're right, they didn't do that with Bo Bichette. Hopefully it continues to pay off. Like he is was the MVP of, other than the pitching staff, of that Blue Jays season. He looks like he's developed into a young, mature leader on this team. He wants to be the face of this this city, and he does it in a different way than Vladdy, and it's hard to compare and contrast those two. But Vladdy's season last year, I think, led to a lot of justification to go to arbitration. And I guess the best thing you can hope for is that they sit in that room, they talk about it, Vladdy remembers that and thinks, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, mm-hmm. there's the positive, optimist, Ailish spin on it is that he is fueled by it, that he's he's pissed off from sitting in there. He came back in the best shape of his life. He's ready to rock and roll and prove that I was worth winning that arbitration case. I'm worth investing in long term. And sometimes it's important to lay out those truths, right? Yeah. Like I think it does, or it may in some ways, work in favor for the Blue Jays, just as you laid out. Mm-hmm. If it actually puts the chip squarely on his shoulder, then, hey, you're going to get, hopefully, a better Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in 2024 based on how he looks. Hey, maybe we can surmise... That, that's going to be the case. But again, there might be a time where it switches and the tables turn, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. where, you know, Vladdy will remember what was said and Vladdy won't be a- as, you know, kind or, or the chip on the shoulder won't work <laughs> in the favor as much with the Blue Jays as it will for him. All right, we'll get into more Vladdy talk uh, with Kevin Barker at 6.30, of course, of Blair and Barker. And uh, we'll continue our Blue Jay Spring training look ahead. But let's bring in Sean Gentile of The Athletic. Are you wearing your Yager mullet while you speak to us right now? <laughs> I was like, I was psyched to hear the tail end of Vladdy talk. I thought, I thought you guys I thought you guys were bringing me on to talk baseball. Which yeah, is, yeah, what are your hot yeah. takes? Is Vladdy in the best shape of his life? Is it going to is it going to change things this year? Your column. <laughs> I can't, yeah, my column. I can't. I can't believe we're in best shape of his life season already. Oh it's yeah. That, it's that oh, everybody's in. It's that time of year. Let's go. Yeah, it really is. We are firmly in best shape of your life season. It's a problem if you're not in the best shape of your life. At least if you're <laughs> playing for the Toronto Blue Jays uh, right now. Yager, Yarmer Yager had no problem being in the best shape of his life. Uh, I, I guess you can't really <laughs> say that at 52, wherever he's at. Uh, but he's pretty damn close. Uh, I imagine. Uh, what was the weekend like in, in Pittsburgh? And if you have like a take home, what you learned, what was important, what stood out from the celebration of Yarmir Yager that was frankly long overdue. 
I think you said it, Justin. That's a that, that was a long time coming, and I think a lot of that had to do with you know there it was both sides to some extent, but one of the big concerns I think, and one of the big things that stopped us from happening for years was that Yager sincerely thought, and I liked with some you know with some some stuff to back it up, I suppose he was worried he was going to get booed. Like mm-hmm. he thought he was going to come back. He thought he was going to come back to town and that people were going to, you know, transport back to 1999 when he asked for a trade and they moved him to Washington and whatever. Then 2011 when he, you know, signed with Philly coming back from Russia. Like those, but those are, you know, those are dots on the resume for him. Right. That's the, those aren't those, as far as that guy's legacy in, in the city, like those have kind of, blended into the background over the years and you know time has a way of healing all this stuff and yeah man it was you guys mentioned you guys mentioned the mullet wigs it was like prime i'm not like quite old enough to remember yager mania in like 90 91 and 92 but i feel like that had to be it had to be pretty close it was it was nice to see it was really nice to see everybody like lean into it skated out for warm-ups like the closest we saw was bieber mm-hmm. a couple weekends ago at the in toronto war, skating out for warm-ups mm-hmm. and i never would think the maple leafs would allow you know, some celebrity to do something of that sort. Yager, obviously, with his relationship, getting a, a chance to skate out. The, the, the players actually wearing the mullets on the ice. Like, I, I was surprised at the level of fun that they allowed before a real NHL season game uh, that obviously the Penguins need to keep winning. Um, but I wonder for you where where this relationship goes next with the Penguins because we can glamorize, like, Matt Sundin when he comes back to Toronto. It's mm-hmm. incredible to see him. He doesn't do much, but when he does, when they were when they went back to Sweden, when they got to have an, a relationship with him on their on their uh, international series game, like, we felt, wow, he is so important to this franchise. Do you think you start to see Yager more involved? Does Yager want to be involved? Is there a pathway to having him be a part of this Penguins franchise moving forward? I mean, the short answer is yes, there absolutely is. And part of that has to do with the work that was done by Kevin Acklin, who's the president of the team. He's, he's been around for a while. He's a, he's a, he's a local, a local guy who's, you know, worked his way up to the point now where he's, you know, he's a president of the franchise. He's a, he's a, he's a Fenway sports guy now. Like he's officially been hired. He's going to be in that job for a while. He's a guy who, you know, was whatever in college, whenever, whenever they were winning cups in, in the early nineties. So Kevin Acklin loves Yarn Yager as much as anybody. And he was like instrumental towards showing Yager the love over the last few years and convincing him that this is something that was worth his time and something that was worth doing and something that wouldn't backfire because that's like one of the skeleton keys, to like understanding Yager, like, like Yarn Yager, because he's, you know, made some odd decisions in his life. But that guy, like he needs to, he needs to feel loved wherever he is, and if and if, and if that doesn't happen, you know you're gonna have you're gonna have some problems, right? So he wanted to feel that from the franchise, he wanted to feel that from the city. I think there's a road back for him really having whatever whatever role he wants to have with that team. You know, I, I think I think the carpet's laid out for him, and he's still in town, by the way. Like he's he's hanging out, he's at these. You know, been been there for a couple for a couple extra days, and I don't think that that's I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think it's an accident. I think it's something that that they're going to be building towards. You know, m- maybe not formalizing, but the the door is always going to be open, and I'd expect him to walk through it pretty uh, certainly much more frequently than he has, you know, than, than he had for the last uh, ten years or so. So Yager walked through that door, uh, but he isn't sticking around to help the team on the ice. Uh, the Penguins are having a disappointing season, uh, to say the least. Uh, have we reached the point now, Sean, 
where it's not salvageable. I mean, that's like the joke that got made 10,000 times on Twitter when he went out for practice with them. It's mm-hmm. like, can 68 help with the power play? Like, is he, <laughs> is he available? Can he, can he give them like six minutes a night to, you know, contribute there? Cause that's been one of, one of their biggest issues all season. I think, I think we're definitely cruising towards the point where, yeah, you gotta just, you gotta just write it off. You know, they're nine points out of the wild card right now. They have a couple games in hand on most of the teams that are ahead of them, but, like, who really cares about that? Like, games in hand don't matter if, if, if you lose most of the games that you play, right? Like, they're, so that's kind of, that's kind of the, the mode they're in right now. Um, no secondary scoring. Uh, Jake Ansel's hurt, obviously, and, and, uh, and everything kind of trickles down from there. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think we're coming to a point now where, especially as the trade deadline gets a little bit closer, Especially as teams like Detroit and whoever else like move move a little bit a little bit further in front. Yeah, we're fast. We're fast approaching a lost cause situation, at least as far as the season's concerned. So he uh, inherited something that was flawed. That was uh, you know not the best situation going. Um, but certainly Kyle Dubas had a, had the opportunity to make a change to this team to improve this team. He had money to spend, and he spent it pretty quickly. So what share of the blame mm-hmm. for this season? lies at the feet of Kyle Dubas? Let's go third percent. <laughs> like, I think, I think, look, I think when stuff goes this bad, you know, what's the saying? It's like, felt like victory has, uh, has, has plenty of, has plenty of parents, but failures an orphan or whatever. Like, it's always tough to find people to like divide up the blame there. Mm-hmm. I think it takes a lot for stuff to go as sideways as it has on them uh, this season. But, you know, Dubas deserves his fair share because, look, I think his biggest issue, I, I think the, the the spot where he bears the most blame is he had enough money to spend coming into the season for one luxury buy. Like, he he could dole out one big, you know, whatever, mid-range, long, longish-term contract, and he used it on Ryan Graves. And that's, and that's it. Like, if you want to find something to nail Kyle Dubas for, it's that he gave, you know, $5 million and change for six years to – a dude who is playing on the third pair right now. And they've, it, I don't, you know, it's a little too early to say that they whiffed, but <laughs> it seems like they might've whiffed. Mm. So after they spent that, you know, then it turned into like re like remaking the, the bottom six on, on the cheap. And some of that's paid off and some of it hasn't. I think, I still think a, a big part of their problem is guys who were acquired by the, the last regime that, you know, aren't, aren't performing guys like Rick or like, like Ricardo Cowan and, and whatever else, but it, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of blame to be, you know, spread around and do this deserves to hold the bag in, in some regard for sure. You didn't mention uh, Carlson and all of that in terms of, uh, of mm-hmm. not blame, but like things that are falling short or things that haven't worked so far. Obviously that's a huge acquisition, like a, uh, not just the name, but the, the length and, uh-huh. and everything. So, so why hasn't that worked? Is it just the surrounding pieces aren't also working? I mean, the biggest problem is I, I mentioned the power play earlier, and I think that starts. <clears throat> excuse me, that starts with Carlson. Mm-hmm. He just it doesn't seem like he's the right fit for the guys that have been out, like guys, guys like Crosby and Malkin, and Ian Gensel when he's healthy. For guys that have been in, with that group for for, you know, a, a, a long time. I, it, it's like, it's, it's always tough to diagnose power play stuff, honestly, because, you know, it's state secret sometimes with, with, with like how, with how, with how stuff's supposed to work. But it's like, there's a lot of stationary 
<laughs> a lot of a lot of dead leg is standing around, and then you, and then you see Crosby like skating around like a madman, right? And that's mm-hmm. and that's always a bad sign. Whenever you have one guy on a unit who's, who seems like most of the movement is coming from, it's they're just they're not they're not on the on the on the right on the on the you know same page. I think they've gotten worse as as the season's gone along because at certain points, even when they were in the tank back in November, December, they were at least generating chances. And I think now what you're seeing is that they're not even getting that done. So, yeah, in terms of on-ice stuff, man, I think Carlson at 5-on-5 five five has been fine. I don't, I don't think he's been, like, overwhelmingly great or anything, but he, he certainly hasn't been a problem. But, man, the, the power play stuff, it's, it's, it's brutal. And if, and, if, and if we're looking back on this in six weeks or whatever and they're in 11th place in the conference, it's going to begin and end with, with the performance of that unit because it's stunk. It's interesting because on paper, like if you're an outsider, you'd look at that power player, at least the names on that team, and think, okay, they'll be fine in that regard. Uh, maybe it's the depth and the and the depth scoring, the secondary scoring, the same kind of story here in Toronto would be the thing that you would be, uh, you know, at least assigning blame to. Uh, we had an interesting discussion with Frank Saravalli yesterday. We asked about the pressure that would be on Kyle Dubas, and he kind of intimated that there'd be none. He's in year one of seven, and it doesn't really matter uh, that, uh, you know, they're looking towards a squandered season and one of maybe few left with, you know, the old guard and Sidney Crosby, uh, uh, namely among them. I, I, I can't believe that he would have license to simply waste the remaining glory seasons in Pittsburgh, but could he survive if, and again, like if that's a management question, that's an ownership question, I suppose, but would it be okay if this, there's just no uh, success that comes with the remaining seasons of Sidney Crosby? It's a great question, and I think that's something that, that they're staring down the barrel at right now, right? Because if you just presuppose that things aren't going to work out for them the rest of the season, man, I mean, we know how quickly the end can come for elite players. We've seen it in the past, you know, Hall of Fame, top 50, or whatever. Joe Sackick, Joe Sackick is the one that I always think of, right, where he was an MVP candidate, and then he woke up <laughs> in training camp the next season, and he wasn't, and that was just kind of it. It happens quickly. So we can sit here and look at Sidney Crosby and say, you know, this guy's going to show up on heart ballots. He's going to finish whatever, you know, top 10 maybe in five-on-five five scoring. Like, he's he's been unbelievable, but he's also 36. And stuff stuff can change pretty quickly. So every season is precious. And, you know, I, I, I think if you're if we're talking two years down the road, who, who knows? But, yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no appetite or interest coming from – above Kyle Dubas and making it and making any kind of change. He's he's the guy in charge for, for the long for the long term. Fenway Sports did not hire him but for a one year job or a two year job. If he feels pressure, it's gonna be from himself and, and just from, from his own mm-hmm. not to like get too high minded about this, but like he doesn't want to be the guy that wasted the last few years of, of Sidney Crosby's career. So like if, yeah. so I, I think that's I think that's what it's about more than anything. But man, that, he's not, he's also that being said, not going anywhere. There's no pressure from above him. He's going to have that job for a long time. Uh, last one for you, Sean, and it's about Sidney Crosby. Um, maybe Dubis. Do you think he'd ever feel pressure from Sidney Crosby himself? Whether it's an ultimatum, whether it's like I'm looking elsewhere because I'm not going to go quietly into the end of my career uh, not winning anything, or is he the type of guy that's loyal and he's just going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin until the end? I think it takes a serious situation for Crosby to put his thumb on the scale with this stuff. Like it happened with I mean, a, a year, what did it go? Oh my God, it was the summer before last, whenever Evgeny Malkin and Crystal Tang mm-hmm. were both UFAs. 
like he forced Ron Hextall's hand there to, to some extent. But that's serious stuff, right? Like that's continuing your career with two guys who, who you've played with, you know, since you were since you were whatever a teenager. So that's I, I so that's like kind of off on the side, like as its own separate thing. I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he is in Kyle Dubas's ear when it comes to like say, you know, what do we do at the, at the trade deadline this season? That's just like that's not that's not really his style. That's not that's not the way he moves. And I know for like his goal is and was and will be to finish his career in Pittsburgh. I think it would take something going pretty sideways for him to come off that because that dude hates change. He is a creature of routine. Mm-hmm. Once he makes up his mind, he tends, he tends to he tends to stick to it, and, and uh, I, I can't imagine that changing. It, it, would, it would certainly take a whole lot. Well, they get, definitely give you lots to write about there in Pittsburgh, eh? From Yager oh. to Dubis to Sid to Gensel to the trade deadline, uh, you will certainly be busy, but we appreciate you taking the time tonight to chat with us. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Thanks so much. Uh, Sean Gentilly of The Athletic ahead of Islanders-Penguins. That's up next on Sportsnet. Sportsnet 1, part of our doubleheader tonight. It's fascinating. Like, if things... Like, if you're trying to make the best out of seven seasons, if you're doing your job, I suppose, like, do you want it to be as bad so that you force the issue? (laughs) Do you strip it down before the deadline here? Do you make sure those conversations happen? Uh, Pittsburgh, again, you just said it. As interesting a team, I think, to write about right now or talk about. Unless you're the Toronto Maple Leafs who have been Or unless you're deep, Gary Bettman. It, deep and in you an, want to get deep into the laptop in 11 pages. Unless you are writing an 11-page... Uh, remember when you were in university and you need to write, like, your final practicum or whatever? Sure. Gary Bettman did this for us today. 11-page um, ruling making it clear... <laughs> there's just... Some of this makes me giggle. Making it clear that Ridley Gregg slap shot into the empty net before Riley's cross check was, quote, utterly irrelevant. <laughs> it's just the funny words. Um, based, quote, based on my review of the video, I find that Mr. Riley's actions were not merely careless or reckless. They were intentional. He then goes on to suggest that Riley's suspension might have even been longer if it had not been for his previously clean record. So there's your lady Bing candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, he... Riley, in in his debate here, argued that while his cross-check on Greg was intentional, he did not aim for the head, whereas, I'm trying to use a need lawyer speak, whereas Gary Bettman said that it doesn't matter uh, the fact that it was near his head and neck and drove it forcefully and intentionally into Mr. Greg, um, that did not matter. The level of force and predatory behavior warranted five games. Yeah, the NHL commissioner definitely knocked off the old rust when it comes to lawyer yeah, speak. And like, that thing he was up. back at Cornell University yeah. getting ready for, as you mentioned, practicums, whatever you want to call it. He just like decided, <laughs> hey, you're going to challenge me. You're going to challenge the ruling of the guy I hired in George Peros. Where here's 11 perfect pages uh, of lawyer speak goodness. that I'm going to cram down everyone's mm-hmm. throat. It's exactly what Gary Bettman did. I mean, we were kind of, I don't even know if we were like hopeful or considering whether things would, would change for Morgan Riley based on the decision to appeal directly to the commissioner. But, but he if you're shut Gary Bettman, all that why down. Would you, uh, why would you let the narrative be that he doesn't trust the Department of I mean. Player Safety? Unbelievably naive for no. anyone to think that Gary Bettman would think otherwise, right? Like, <laughs> Especially in this market. And again, the way it was released, the, way, the, the manner in which it was written, the utterlies used on several occasions, I think, the fact that it was 11 pages. Like, he just wanted to prove a point with the most like slightly condescending lawyer speak that you could possibly imagine for the world and for Maple Leafs fans 
to consume today. It was a, it was a pretty. It's uh, a good read. It was a statement from it's Gary It's a good Bradman. light read tonight over dinner. And kind of embarrassing, I think, if you're the Maple Leafs organization, just a little bit. Take a look during the intermissions of our doubleheader on Sportsnet. Just a quick read. Get out your thesaurus. Get your lawyer speak on and read about Gary Bettman and Morgan Riley. Uh, it's it's a good one. But Morgan Riley will be returning to play against the Vegas Golden Knights. He'll be well rested. It's going to be a back to back for the Maple Leafs. They're undefeated without him, basically. Yeah. So. You know, it's all working out for them. The Leafs will have gained at least eight of ten points mm-hmm. in his absence, which I guess is really the main thing. I guess Riley will not be recouping some of that money, though. Yeah, they start a, a late night back-to-back tomorrow night in Arizona. Of course, it's going to be Matthews and uh, Nye's kind of a homecoming moment. Uh, and then the next day, Morgan Riley will get his homecoming moment to the team. Let's go. take a quick break. Kevin Barker on the other side. Blue Jays' first official full-team workout today. Let's talk spring training. Unrivaled insight, analysis, and opinions on all things Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back on the fan pregame Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, the boys are back in town. The boys being Blair and Barker, got a chance to catch them today, 11 a.m. They are back, full of joy, full of expectations, and they're uh, live on our airwaves. Our boys are not back in town yet. Blue Jays will take a pretty big road trip, actually, before they even get back to uh, Rogers Center, but uh, our boys are back. It's not like we have a closed-roof stadium. They're building it. They're in the middle of construction. They can't even play right. Oh, the yeah, field that's is ripped true. up. That's true. That's true. That's true. You're trying to make shots at the no, dome. No, I'm and- just saying, like, uh, the Minnesota Twins have to start on the road, right? Because you can't play baseball. Yeah, that's true. Open air stadium there. We actually haven't got a Rogers Center I, update I, in a I, while. I, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. You know Flew what? under the radar Actually, a sorry. Bit. We did get a Rogers Center update. There are cup holders oh, yes. in the 100s, people. See, if there's cup holders, like, that seems like the last thing, the, like the last move. <laughs> Installing the cup holders, we're ready. Ready to host baseball games. No, they've got cup holders, and the the Blue Jays tweeted that out, and I think they got a little bit of sarcastic responses from the fan base, who I saw a lot of quote tweets being like, didn't get Shohei, but we got cup holders. I'm like, I mean, it's a tough thing to tweet out in the middle of an offseason when people are, like, hungry for signings. I mean, I, I it would was rather hilarious, Shohei Otani. We'll take the cup holders, though. We'll like the cup holders over, like, a, you know, a mid-signing that's not going to age very well. Because those cup holders are going to age beautifully. Yeah. The, the worst is when you have to shuffle your way through the 100s. Oh, you kick over your beer. It's like... Yeah, it's, but I'm looking at a video right now of the cup holders, and they look pristine. Ready to go. You're ready to put a couple pints in there. Uh, we're waiting to get Kevin Barker on uh, for sure. But we, <laughs> the story of spring training, it's different. Because I think we're going to talk to a lot of guests over the next little while about the story of spring training. And I think you could probably narrow it down to three. Three of the biggest. Okay. Like what the, three are the, three? Answers what are the three? That, the three answers that we'll get. Alec Manoa. Right. Vladdy's best shape of his life. Vladdy, Vladdy bounce back. Yeah. And then this third one for me could either be, is George Springer just old and are we just like accepting his demise? Or could it be, where's the level of trust within this team and the, 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 the off-season discussions and dialogue that kind of went quietly into the abyss after that press conference? And, you know, what's everybody's like level of, connectivity in that dugout well at least the last two vlad and springer 
are connected to that that fourth mm-hmm. variable that mm-hmm. you laid out, right? Because if the other two answer, uh, questions are answered, I think it kind of answers that question. But you're right. Pretty much every interview we do, pretty much anyone we have on the show, I mean, you have to be asking about Vladdy because he is the main variable. Mm-hmm. He's the swing guy. If he has a brilliant season, suddenly everything makes a lot of sense. But if there's regression or there's uh, a repeat of his season last year, it's like, yeah, there's probably a pretty hard ceiling on this team. I think maybe the Springer variable is a little bit more interesting because, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's kind of giving you a baseline and it has like diminished just a little bit, but that's what happens when you're an aging ball player who's maybe switching positions a little bit or at least getting uh, shifted from center to the corner outfields. Like this is what Mm -hmm. happens when you're getting up there in age just a little bit, but if he can hold on, if he can find something, if he can simplify things, if less burden in the field can help him just be productive at the plate. I think those are things that could have a major or that could have a major impact on this season. But you're right. Like Manoa, yeah, he makes it like adds to the good already. But if Vlad and Springer have a season like they can or they've shown before or a season unlike last year, well, it fixes a lot of the issues. And then the questions surrounding this team, Mm. well, there's fewer of them to ask. I think uh, another dialogue that I've been seeing a lot online, keep in mind, like we're two days into spring training is how awesome Ricky Tiedemann looks. Mm. Like, physically, he put on a lot of weight. Like, he looks like a big, buff pitcher. The way that he's already throwing the excitement around him, he's a top prospect. Like, he's, what, the number one ranked left-handed pitcher in MLB world. Like, he's the best guy. (laughs) Um, But everybody online is talking about how he looks really, really great. And what does that mean? Like, are the Blue Jays holding things close to their... Uh, are they holding their prospects back this year? Because they have. They've been very cautious with some of these young guys and not thrusting they them into be it. Sure. But, you know, if you have a guy knocking on the door, knocking on the door that is as incredible as Ricky, hitting 100, looking amazing, and you have questions about an Alec Manoa or you have, you know, questions about the bullpen depth, like, are you, are you going to hold on and wait until it might be too late? And are we going to bemoan the lack of signing in the offseason if, say, mm-hmm. Orelvis Martinez steps up and mm. is suddenly a contributor for this team uh, in a really positive way, or the same with Addison Barger. Like, you can be thinking differently about the offseason for the Blue Jays if one of these guys, as we just outlined, is ready to fill a spot that we're kind of unsure about. So those are the questions that will be answered uh, in some ways, I guess, in spring training. All right. Uh, while we keep our attention on spring training, uh, our guys are back in town. It is Kevin Barker of Blair and Barker. Everyone's in the best shape of their life, and it looked like you were today, Kevin, back on the airways. Uh, thanks for joining us. How's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, look, that's the best shape I've ever been in as a broadcaster. Yeah? Ever. I'm so proud oh, of you. Yeah, I'm ripped. Like, <laughs> I, I can... You know, I can walk a solid half a mile nice. without pa- panning or, okay. you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm in pretty good shape. And my buddy Blair there's wearing, you know, medium shirts and like, we're raring and ready to go. We, <laughs> we have, you know, we've gotten together and, you know, done some things to try and make us in the best shape we can possibly <laughs> be in for the stretch run. So, so just like we can do that. Just like the Blue Jays, Blair and Barker is relying on internal improvement. <laughs> absolutely well if you go if you can't improve yourself i mean what 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 sense is it to go outside the organization and try to bring in other guys so yeah i mean it's just you know it's sort of a running joke it was the same way when i played like you could you know, walk up to your buddies and and even some coaches would walk by and be like man boy you look good and i'm like yeah 
I look the same as I've always looked. Like there's no different, you know, it's a, it's a mental grind to, to try and get to this point and, and just try and get through spring training without getting injured. And, you know, there's not a ton of spots available for the Blue Jays to feel. This is mainly a, a bunch of veteran guys trying to get together and, and you know, make a, ser- a serious run at this. It would help, I think, if they start hitting. Like, that's the that's the goal here. We, you know, we, we had Buck Martinez on today, and he, they're talking about, you know, the, the little things. No, nah, it ain't the little things. It's how do you hit better? Like, look, their they're pitching, for the most part, is predictable. There's some guys you can point the finger at, Manoa and, you know, what you're going to get from certain guys. But for the most part, they're predictable. Offensively, you know, do you expect George Springer to have 30 and 80? I mean, one would think with giving him $150 million that that's hopefully what you get sooner than later. But the last couple of years of the Blue Jay, you haven't seen that. Vladdy, you really don't know what you get. He looks better. Kirky, right, he looks better. Danny Jansen, can he play 90 games? Like, there's some things that some guys need to do. And if they do that, because of the way they pitch and how smart they are pitching, that would be all right. Yeah, I was listening to uh, you guys earlier today, and it was great to hear Buck as well. It makes it feel like we're right back into the swing of things. But you're talking about the offense for the Blue Jays, uh, and I think it's a feels like a different approach, and not to put words in your mouth, but when you were talking uh, to Blair, it was like, maybe they went at this a little differently with like Justin Turner and IKF and like some of these uh, outfield or, or these, uh, these roster battles, like are they changing how they're approaching scoring runs this year? Uh, when you look at the way the blue Jays are constructed. Yeah. I don't know how, like I, I've heard that before. I, I'm very confused. Like I ever <laughs> look, I don't like to always say that I've been in locker rooms, but I've never seen a locker room with, with 20 some guys. Now, you know, half of those are position players trying to have the same approach, right? It's, Every guy has a thing that they do well, and it's not a, you know, you have your buddy who's trying to do the exact same thing. That's rare. Like, it's a very individual approach, and for them to come out and say that, you know, they're trying to put more balls in play, I don't want Vladdy to do that. I want Vladdy to hit 40 homers. I want him to get frisky. I want him to be on time. I want him to have good stretch in his mechanics. Like, I want him to do things with pitches that he can drive in the air and do serious damage. And, look, let's face it, if he has another 24 and 93 or 4, there's going to be some changes made. Like, that, that I think is where we're at here is some guys got to be to their fullest, right? I just mentioned the George Springer thing. You crack jokes at that, but they dropped a ton of money on him. Like, it's time to see 80 RBIs. Can we, can we see that and stop, you know, just saying it's okay to play however many games he's playing. I don't want that. I mean, it's fun to say that he can stay on the field and they're moving to the right field. Offensively, they need to do some special things this year. The rotation, I think we got lucky. Like, you can say that, right? Me and Jeff, we talked about that rotation all year, and Jeff brought this up. They got real lucky with us covering it and them trying to just go out there every five days. There wasn't a whole lot of bumps in the road. I mean, the Manoa thing, I guess, yeah. They still had four guys at 30 starts. Can you expect that this year? Uh, Bassett's 35. Gosman's 33. Like, that Gosman thing with the two pitches and the split finger, it's a lot. He's thrown a lot. So, I just think for me, if any of you could take anything into the spring training, mash baseballs. That, that, that would sort of cure all of these things, right? You know, it's that pay attention to all the little things. No, would we remember Vladdy being picked off at second if they were breaking? No, we right. wouldn't. So, I think that for me will – you know, hopefully with Donnie baseball and just 
being able, if you're a veteran guy, to walk up to somebody who's done it before, who's been through it. When you ain't hitting the breaking ball, you're chasing that thing, walk up to Donnie Baseball and go, hey, what did you do? You couldn't do that to Guillermo Martinez. No offense to Guillermo. He's a good dude. You know, He's going to sort of play the line there and be the organization guy, which every team needs that. But they also need that guy who's been there and done it before. So hopefully Donnie Baseball being a little bit more involved offensively will help everybody because – the first four guys in that lineup, boy, they got to do some party out front and do some serious numbers of that. Uh, another thing you guys talked about all last year was the lack of cleanup hitter. Uh, with Justin Turner now in the fold, do you guys have to ask that question anymore? Yeah, I mean, he's never. What's he? He's. It's rare that he's ever hit cleanup. I, you know, again, I think it's sort of the professional at bats he will have. I know people roll their eyes at that, and sometimes I do, but it's. You know, when you're seeing in the 330s with runners in scoring position, you can't roll your eyes at that. I mean, I know he's 39 years old, but look, sometimes dudes are late bloomers. And just, you know, again, I hate to say the protection part of it. I think it's a lot of, you know, Vladdy, go do your thing. Don't try and do everything. And if you can surround him with a few more guys that just know how to go up there and not, you know, let all the khaki noise and, you know, everything that's headed in 17 different directions trying to interrupt what you're trying to do as an offensive player, the Jays need that. And, you know, maybe Justin's not going to carry their team for two months, but he sure ain't going to hurt. And being able just to use sort of line-to-line and shortening up with two strikes and driving in a run with a dude standing at second, they had like a two or three guys that only hit four homers with a runner in scoring position. Mm-hmm. That ain't going to do it. So anybody that can come in and actually have those at-bats when it matters the most, you know, is not going to hurt this team again. We put all the pressure on Vladdy, and maybe it's a little unfair because there's other guys around him. I think it's a collection of a bunch of guys, right? You know, Dalton Varsha is going to have to hit 20 homers. Can he have an OPS of 800, right? You know, I think Caleb Joseph came on your show yesterday and said if they loved him defensively and thought of him only as a defensive player, he'd be playing center. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's a pretty smart thought process when you're going to be hitting sixth or seventh and you need to do some things in the air to help this team, especially where the Yankees are at. And, you know, the Red Sox are probably the worst team in the East, but they can hit. So you're going to need to score some runs. And, you know, we talked to Pete Walker. He's trying to figure out ways to maneuver the rotation because of their age. And they have the oldest aged rotation in the East. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's a thing. So, it just sort of comes back. You can point the finger at the offense. They do some things offensively, score some more runs. I really do think things will fall in place. If they don't, I mean, you're sort of looking at a fourth-place team, and I don't want to be negative this early in the season, so hopefully they can figure it out offensively and hit the ground running. What did you make of Justin Turner giving the shout-out to Blair and Barker that he heard that Bo Bichette wanted him to be on the team? You guys might have manifested a signing for the Toronto Blue Jays. How does that feel? Well, you know, look, I think sometimes it's you have the right guy on, you ask the right (laughs) question, the person that comes on is comfortable answering the question because, you know, the relationship's there. I've I've talked to Bo enough to Mm -hmm. sort of have a good feel, you know, Blair's Blair. So that's what we're trying to get here. It's it's two dudes sitting on a couch, and hopefully we ask the right question to the right person and they give the right answer. But, you know, again, I I think sometimes you got to give the organization credit. It's, Mm -hmm. It's easy. 
especially the way the season ended and you heard the way the GM talks. And mm-hmm. it's easy to point the finger at that part of it. But occasionally you got to give them credit. I, you know, I think they were listening. Now, again, I think they only had a certain amount of money to spend, and this might be the cheapest guy they could get. <laughs> but, that, uh, look, who am I to say that? You know, uh, what I heard was the face of the franchise asked for a certain dude, and they gave it to him. So go out there and get him, boys. I think you're giving yourself not enough credit. Uh, I think a lot of people listen to Blair and Barker and maybe even those MLBers themselves. Uh, we're talking to Blair and Barker, Kevin Barker, of course. Um, I want to ask you about Alec Manoa because we know obviously there's like probably three major storylines that most people are, are tuned in for this spring training, Alec Manoa being one of them. And yes, he's in the best shape of his life. And yes, he's sounding great. But I wonder for you, where do you think the relationship's at? It, can you have a real fresh slate after everything that unfolded and the things that we still don't have answers to? Anyway, he's here. He's ready to compete. John Schneider said there's that, you know, there's a, at the end of the starting rotation that is available for him to earn. Does he earn it? And what is the leash on him getting a spot that really is concrete, Alec Manoa in the starting rotation? Yeah, I think he's got to earn it. I mean, I think John Snyder's saying all the right things, and, and, you know, he's competing for a job. I'm not real sure I'm buying that because I do think that Alec is, you know, in his career to a point where you sort of got to give him a little bit of a leash, right? I mean, look, look, I uh, yeah, who am I to, to, you know, judge somebody who, you know, has done the things that Alec did in, in an off season? I don't know. I want to say he, t- he took it off, but – he just didn't show up the way I think he he mm-hmm. expects himself to show up, and also the organization and Pete Walker. Pete Walker puts a lot of pressure on these dudes. Like every single guy that's in that rotation is expected to give them 200 innings. Like that's that's a thing, right? It's 890 innings from five dudes or six dudes or however many dudes you need. So you know, look, I'm at the point with these guys. I don't care about their feelings. Are you, do you guys? Like I, nope. I mean, I don't want to be mean or or this. Uh, these dudes make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. This is a big boy league. I've been in this league. Like I've had release papers flipped at me. So so you know, excuse me if I don't have you know sitting around thinking about dudes' feelings. I will say this: there's not a lot of guys who had the season that Alec had last year who are getting the opportunities that he's going to get this year. I, I was in one of those boats as an everyday player where. You know, I, I had a really good when I got <clears throat> excuse me when I got called up. I was pretty good. Like I was hitting balls the way I was supposed to be hitting them, and then the league decided, hey, okay, let's see if he can get the head out and start throwing him in a little bit. Plate awareness was a bad thing for me, and I struggled a little bit, and I never really got an opportunity after that. Alec is getting an opportunity to sort of erase the entire season of last year, not even talk about it, and just sort of show up in really good shape and start attacking peoples and doing it with some vinegar and, you know, throwing strike one and being better with the slider and all of those things. So I really do think he'll take advantage of that. That's only going to help the Blue Jays. That'll help the two older guys in the rotation. I mean, just think of Alec Manoa gives him 170 innings. Like, that's a huge mm-hmm. thing, right? So we all want that, fingers crossed. But I think they're all saying the right thing. And, and I, 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 I might be the wrong person to ask about feelings. <laughs> I, I might be that guy. Well, I'm not going to ask Blair about feelings. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do that. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. if Alec Manoa is the story for Blue, the Blue Jays camp, 
Uh, Anthony Rendon might be the story uh, of Major League Baseball wow. uh, just as a whole. Uh, sort of, I mean, we all know the story. Basically, he, he's saying, you know, baseball comes not second or third, but maybe distant third, fourth after the other important things in his life, which in some ways makes a lot of sense. But on the flip side of that, well, Anthony Rendon is pretty much, whether tacitly or openly, stated he doesn't really like baseball. How many Anthony Rendon's did you come across in your playing career? Like, is there a lot of this in baseball? Or is this a special case of someone who's ultra-talented but hates his job but does it because he's making a lot of money? Yeah, I, I, look, I'm sure there's a bunch of them around. I, I didn't hang out with that group. Like, I, I was one of those guys that fight and claw and, you know, trying to stay in the big leagues, trying to be noticed. You know, it was – if I didn't love it, I wasn't going to be noticed. And you, there's, a, there's a certain part that goes with you want to be the best you – I think you have to love what you're doing to a certain extent. It is truly amazing when somebody dumps a bunch of money on you, how you can say really stupid things. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not lie about that. And I do think if this is just me, if I were the owner of that re- of that organization, I'd released him already. Mm-hmm. Like, I, there's just so many bad things that have went on with that organization. And, you know, their best player, if not the best player in baseball, is never on the field and – it's it's just you never can sort of point to doing the right thing, right? Or can we go out and get better pitching? Can you know you get guys that you spend a ton of money on, just happy that you spent a ton of money on them, and they show up and they're playing a childhood dream? No, you can't even get that. So yeah, it's it's a shame, right? Especially when it's sort of the dudes that make all this money job to sell it to the younger people coming up mm-hmm. i don't know if you guys noticed not a ton of people a lot of the times watch baseball and then they hear people like him talk and yeah what would make them run want to run to tv sets and watch it so yeah it's a slap in the face it's a slap in the face to his organization it's a slap in the face for people like me mm-hmm. who did absolutely everything to try and stay a big leaguer and it's not the easiest thing to do so you know, I don't. I don't want to be mean or anything, but I'm not real sure how he still has a job. Yeah, that's just me. I mean, great points about like that next generation too. That's like you know, you're setting the stage for hopefully newcomers to to want to play well, the, you know, the, baseball. The best player on, you would argue in Trout <laughs> wants mm-hmm. nothing to do with that's trying right. to sell himself, or which is okay. I mean, not everybody can do all of it, mm-hmm. but and then you've got a guy on your team who never plays that you dropped a bunch of money on is now saying out loud that he basically hates baseball. Yeah. He's just here because they pay him a ton of money. I, boy, that's hard to take, and it's impossible to root for that organization. So, Well said. Well hopefully Trout gets traded to somebody that matters. I mean, he'd look good in the Phillies uniform. There you go. Uh, Kevin Barker over under 10 and a half new fresh golf polos for this season of Blair and Barker. I mean, they're pretty expensive. Like, I, you know, I know we get some, some free stuff on occasion, but it's a different brand. So, and, you I know, I, I mean, I like to stick with what fits me nicely because if you look good, you, you talk good. That's and, it. you know, I am in the best shape in my broadcasting career, so I like to add a little different, you know, All right. colors to it. I know my wife is a big fan of red. That's her favorite color, so I try to mix in some reds. And, you know, it is gloomy outside, so I don't want to get too bright colors. So i got to have... You know, I got to have colors for the beginning of the season. I got to have colors for holidays. I got to. So I'm 10 strong. I'll give you half that. Okay. How okay. about five? There's still lots of time to add. You five know? new ones to the repertoire. You're headed down to spring training five. soon, so you might pick up a couple, you know? 
There's an outlet. Five, yeah, five, well, if you notice, it, it's the Canadian dollar to the American mm-hmm. dollar, and, you know, it's 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 steep, so I got to – you know, it's it's we're you know we're 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 dealing in tough times here. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's baby steps. Yeah, I will yeah. I will let's just say this. I will do my part to try and bring as much color mm. and smiling to my part of Blair and Barker as I possibly can. How's that? You I made it. fun of Jeff's shirt today, and he didn't talk to me for like fifteen minutes. So, <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's like I, I, all I got to say to Jeff is, "Are you going to wear that shirt?" And he's like, "Whoa, what? What are, what are you talking about? Nice <laughs> pants." And I'm like, well, "Nobody can see my pants." So, uh, well, you guys you know, have I think a lot that's of the fun. Beauty of our show. Yeah, we uh, we're glad to have you back on the airwaves. Uh, glad to have you a part of the team. The all great polos coming for this season. Uh, we appreciate your time tonight, Kevin, and we'll chat soon. Thanks so much. Uh, absolutely. Take care, guys. Thanks, see ya. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin Barker of Blair and Parker. They're back 11 a.m. on Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet 590, The Fans, Sportsnet TV, Sportsnet Podcasts. All over the place. Sportsnet Fashion, Sportsnet Style. <laughs> very, very quick on Rendon. He makes a great point. When there is someone in any, like, mm-hmm. in job, school, whatever, there are people that are negative. They just bring Bad down advice. people around them. And Rendon is that. No wonder they don't have success over there mm-hmm. because people get sucked into his negative orbit. And you don't get the best out of each other. It could not be more predictable. Good thing Shohei ain't there. Tough, tough, sad scenes. Um, all right. Quickly, our best bets for tonight. We have one minute. Uh, the the Kachuk Bowl is tonight. You missed it. Uh, both to score a goal tonight plus 550. You know, I always like a narrative pick. The brothers going head to head. That's as easy as it goes. I also have a bonus pick from the Stars-Rangers game. I like Adam Fox. And Tyler Sagan to score tonight. Okay. Uh, I've been red hot. I got another one last night. You have been red hot. Uh, Sidney Crosby has been red hot against the Islanders his whole career. He's brutalized him his whole career. They're on Sportsnet tonight. Crosby plus 150 to score. Uh, That's Justin's pick tonight. That is Justin's pick. But you know what? I'll take it too. Because it has your name, I might actually It's going to hit, actually. You're going to get the Ehlers bump here. And uh, we'll get a Crosby goal. We'll get a bunch of goals tonight. We'll save the Stanley Cup odds for tomorrow. How about that? Yeah, we were going to take a quick look at the Stanley Cup odds because we are still approaching the deadline. So maybe it's a time to buy what you think a team hasn't bought yet. Uh, But we'll do that all tomorrow. Uh, That was a fun one today. Five's low, by the way. I think he's got 10. He's got so many shirts. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow on the Fan Pre-Game.